Nuclear proliferation. Global pandemic. Famine. Environmental genocide. War. Mankind teeters on the brink of a second dark age. Everywhere you turn, chaos, anarchy, and shadow. In these bleak days, under the fading light, where businesses and the little guy are left for dead on the side of the byway, and people cry out for the rule of law, humanity is at a breaking point where there is no light at the end of the tunnel, and everything good seems to have been barred, or banned, or barred. Two men offer up their voices in the darkness, a shining beacon leading the huddled masses into the safe harbor of good business practices and occasional time travel. Here are your hosts, the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham, and L. Bradley Sheaf. Well, Brad, there it is. The late, great Willie Nelson on the road again. We're going to get to it in a minute as to why that song is relevant to the here and now. But welcome to another episode of IP Frequently. This is David Pridham and Brad Sheaf. And I do want to make sure that folks don't panic when you referred to Willie Nelson as the late, great Willie Nelson, you were just referring to the fact that he's rarely on time. Willie is still, you know, with us, as far as I know. Oh, Lord. You know what? I, I, I was thinking of Ricky Nelson. Yeah, there's a little bit of a difference there, but they are in the same extended family. Well, but, but really, when you, when you think about it, almost the same person, right? Uh, Willie Nelson likes to do drugs. Ricky Nelson loved to do drugs. Uh, Willie Nelson on the road again, and Ricky Nelson in a major plane crash caused by said drugs. Possibly. Yeah, possibly. I, I'm not sure that the drugs contributed to the plane crash, but that could have been. He would have to be singing in a box again, though, which is a little bit different than on the road again. Willie can be on the road should he choose. Ricky, not so much. No more road trips for the Rickster. But uh, no. the garden party, my friend, was a great party while it lasted. Completely agree. Well, here I am, Brad, on the island of man out here in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, Nantucket Island, um, on my annual road trip so that the kids could be photographed inside a house on the island of Nantucket. Wow. So, I mean, for the folks listening at home, you at this period of most years are hanging your hat in Dallas. And so getting oneself to Nantucket is, you know, no simple afternoon stroll. So let me ask you this. Do they not have houses closer to Dallas? Brad, they do. But this house is not there with the photographer and the green screen. So um, that's in Nantucket, apparently. And apparently it was brought here from somewhere far, far away. But the important thing is we left on, uh, on uh, I believe, Friday of last week, got here yesterday, which, um, mm-hmm. you know, earlier earlier in the week, and uh, photographs were, were taken today, again, indoors. Mm. Uh, this, this time, my friend, we did it in style, conversion van, all the way, 100% diesel-powered, you nice. know, a, a VIP status-type driver. And in certain cases, we had two drivers, my friend, two drivers on this trip. So the conversion van 
went well. Diesel, obviously the fuel of choice for such a vehicle. The VIP driver, you know, possibly depending on what that acronym actually stands for, but I, I'm, I'm glad you're there and you've made it in one piece and they had the necessary house on the island of Nantucket into which to put their photography gear and you're all set. We are all set. We made it. And I'll tell you what, I have never. So this operation started in Dallas, Texas. It went through most of the South, pretty much most, mm -hmm. most of the South. Uh, first night ended in uh, the city of Nashville. We took the city of Nashville by storm. There was an Alan Jackson concert going on. And I don't know if you know who that is, but one of the big country stars of today, I didn't know until I was sitting there trying to get the kids dinner at uh, 530 at night. And I was surrounded by 60 year old women in skin tight uh, jeans and cowboy boots and cowboy hats. But apparently Alan Jackson's a big star. He was performing at the big stadium there. And so night one was spent in Nashville. Yeah, Alan during... Jackson is a member of the Jackson five, correct? Do I have that right? He's the fourth. I believe he's the fourth Jackson. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then 60 year old women in skin tight jeans, not what you're looking for. I assume not what anyone's looking for my friend. Right. Not what, okay. Well, I mean, there are some people maybe, but not, no, 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 it's not, it's not good. It's not a good look. Um, and you know, you just have to sort of set that aside. So, okay. Day two, day yeah. two, we mm -hmm. make it all the way through Tennessee. We go through all of, uh, rural Virginia, which is, by the way, in the middle of a heated gover governor's race that's, uh, that's going is, on there. Indeed. Yeah, indeed. Um, and uh, made it up to Washington, D.C. for the next night. So we're, we're now advancing closer and closer to the island of Nantucket. Ah, all right. In, in a well, conversion that's, that's van. That's the objective. Yeah. Okay. In a conversion van. Uh -huh. And at this point, Washington, D.C., the conversion van gets in an accident, right? So it backs into somebody or someone backs into it. More likely. You were the, obviously not in the vehicle at the time. We were not. We were not. Okay, we were well, dropped off, but the conversion van gets in an accident. So we have that issue. Mm -hmm. uh, the next day we get uh, get up and we get back into the conversion van. Day three. Okay, Which is still is, functional. So this accident, relatively minor. It was a fender bender. It was a fender, fender bender. bender. Okay. Yeah, all, yeah. Right, all right. All right. All right. I'm sure it's going to cost something at the rental facility, but we're, again, that'll, <laughs> that'll be expect. subject, yeah. subject to years of litigation. Yeah. So okay. we make it from DC through uh, New York city, New Jersey turnpike, New York city, Connecticut turnpike, all the way up to Cape Cod. So gorgeous, now, gorgeous, night, ride. gorgeous, gorgeous. Now we're on night, uh, night three, okay. uh, day three of 12 hour plus riding that conversion van, make mm -hmm. it to the Cape. The next day, right, mm -hmm. we are going to get on the big ferry because it, everyone may not know this, uh, but the island of Nantucket, Brad, is an island. So it's completely surrounded by water. That's what you're telling Just me. like a big moat. Picture a big moat. Okay, I'm with you. Jared, you got to figure out a way to work in Don't Pay the Ferryman by Chris DeBerg. Okay, so there's yep. no bridge. There's no channel, no tunnel. Yeah. Um, so uh, at this point, we are uh, we are uh, on the way to the ferry, and it turns out that the VIP driver mistakenly booked a compact car on the ferry instead of a, uh, a, a Sprinter van, right? A, yeah, a no, that's van. a tough mistake to make, and it's an even tougher mistake to try and pull off, right? Because your average ferryman is going to know the difference between a compact car and a Sprinter van. Well, of course, especially yeah. when the, the, the space on these ferries is so hotly contested, right? Everyone wants to get a, a, a space on the ferry. 
So hotly contested. So we show up there, no no space for the conversion van, no room in the manger for the conversion van. So, so at this point, the I in VIP stands for incompetent. You would think so, but. But, but okay, there's a but. All right, I like it. Let me pull a rabbit out of this here hat. The driver looks <laughs> at do. me and he says, listen, he says, listen, don't worry about this. I have a plan. Now, at this point, ah. I've got a conversion van with three kids, uh, a nanny and very unhappy wife and enough luggage to travel the world comfortably without washing anything for two, two and a half years. And so I really want to believe that there is a solution to this problem that the driver has come up with. And so I say, yes, let's let's hear it. I'm all ears. He says, here's my solution. I have rented a minivan. OK, I have rented a minivan in, in addition twin- to the Sprinter van. In addition to the Sprinter van, and this ah, is where okay. right. the Walendas come in, right? Okay. Because he's got a twin brother, right? Oh. Sort of. And the twin brother is going to bring the conversion van to the line to get on the ferry. And we are going to take everything out of the big conversion van, put it into the little minivan, and then we're going to walk on the boat, right? And the little minivan is going to go on the boat. The sprinter van is going to be taken by one of the two brothers. Again, I don't know which one and taken away. Just away. It's never going to Nantucket. It is never going to Nantucket. The conversion. At least not not while it's under your care and keeping. So you find yourself on the island of Nantucket, having walked on to the ferry. Yeah. The minivan is on the same ferry or takes a later ferry the minivan is on right? the same ferry ah, okay. sprinter van is gone it's no longer sprinter in the picture gone. yeah it's not with us yeah, okay yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sprinter van does not come down for breakfast once you get to the ferry dock so when we get to the ferry dock the vip driver realizes mm-hmm. that because he's got a minivan now and because it's filled with all of our belongings in the world mm-hmm. he can no longer carry us on ah, he has a physics problem. Yes, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when this was raised, there was a quizzical look and sort of a moment, you know, a moment when you tell somebody something and you know they didn't know it and they know they didn't know it and sort of, you know, dawn breaks on marble head. Marble head. Right? So now the I stands for inquisitive. Correct, correct. Okay, all right. But then to his credit, to his credit, he looks at me and he says, listen, listen, this is fine. This is fine. I've got this handled. I've got a plan. Ah, all right. All right. So, so the plan is to call a shuttle bus ah. on the, already on the island of Nantucket to take us to the rental house that we're renting for three nights. Ah, okay? Very good. Now you know what the I stands for, my friend? Inspired. Inspired, exactly. Yeah. So we get on the shuttle bus, mm-hmm. and the driver of the shuttle bus is about 116 years old. If he's a and- day. If he's a day. And the first yeah. thing he does is he's driving along these cobblestone streets that literally just the worst feeling in the world is being in a car on those streets. He says, points to this little restaurant on the left hand side and says, "Is the best slice of pizza in the world in there. And then it took us about an hour and a half to get 15 minutes to the house where we got out of the shuttle van and. The VIP driver, again, the brother is gone now. He's with the Sprinter van on the other side of the mainland U.S. Okay. Correct. All right. He starts um, unloading uh, the items from the minivan. As we're unloading the items from the minivan, another problem has happened. Because as I said, when we got to the ferry to you know do the switch, right, to get all the material from the Sprinter van into the minivan, 
the two brothers handled that, right? Again, okay. VIP, yep. all right. VIP, yep. Yep. all the yep. way. They all handled the way. that. White gloves. Yep, I got it. Get to the house, and I, I, my youngest is our youngest is two years old. Yes. So we realized that his crib, his little play pack crib that he sleeps in, didn't make it. The conversion, it didn't, it didn't, didn't make it. Right. Ooh. It didn't make it from car A to car B. Yikes. And then two of the snack bags, snack bags with kids' snacks, didn't make it from car A to car B. Can you put the snack bags in the crib and put the crib on the ferry for a potential trip over? Uh, theoretically, you could if if you're making an assumption here, if brother number two, who is now with the Sprinter van, still had any of those items. But somehow those ah. items got lost between car A and car B, and they're not, they're not in either car at this point. Oh, my. Yeah. 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 So 630 at night, we finally realize all this. And brother B, the brother on the VIP driver B on the island, um, has to go find because he was tasked in no uncertain terms with finding a crib. But to his credit, to his oh, credit, he found he found a rental company that was open at 630 at night on a on Columbus Day uh, on the island of Nantucket, where he got a play pack. Now, the play pack was for an infant. It didn't work for our kid. We had to put uh, pillows together in, in a makeshift crib that was neither safe nor aesthetically pleasing. Mm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that's, 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 that's where we are. He, he, he got us there mm-hmm. um, without all of our stuff mm-hmm. with a lot of aggravation mm-hmm. um, and with uh, us having to take a two and a half hour ferry to be with the minivan filled with our stuff that we couldn't get it as opposed to the high speed ferry we could have got for 45 minutes. But then again, we wouldn't have been with most of our stuff, but Sitting here on the Isle of Nantucket, halfway through the journey, looking back across this vast ocean of ours, contemplating the next week of my life as I slowly migrate back south, not not all bad. I mean, not as bad as it could have been. But the one thing I did notice last week, we talked a lot about the energy crisis in this in this country. And I can tell you this gasoline is up about a buck fifty a gallon and it is it is skyrocketing. And there are a lot of pissed off people out there. And, and, and quite frankly, there are some places you can't get gasoline. I encountered six or seven gas stations along the way where they were completely out of gas. They just completely out of gas. We had signs on every single pump saying no gas. So there's a problem getting the gas uh, into the gas stations, into the tanks. And when it gets there, it's, it's incredibly expensive. Buddy ran into that. My own self right here in my hometown last night pulled into the gas station I use all the time, was on the way back from a high school volleyball game. Yes, my daughter was victorious. Thanks for asking. And all the pumps just said, you know, this pump shut down, this pump shut down, this pump shut down. There's some poor bastard, you know, sitting back in the 7-Eleven, sitting back in the 7-Eleven, you know, hoping someone will come in and buy some Pringles because certainly no one's going to buy any gas. But had I been able to buy gas there, I would have paid $4.16 for it. So, you know, I can't, the last time gas was that expensive, but to my recollection would have been long about 2008 when uh, the markets crashed. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And before that, it was the Carter years. It's, it's crazy. And, and the, the, the gas on the New Jersey turnpike is closer to five bucks a gallon. Oh, I can only imagine. Yeah. It, it, it's insane. And it, look, winter is coming as, as you know, you and I talked about the other day is the first snow fell on your uh, your head up in the in the Berkshires and uh, and and the cost to Americans to heat their homes 
um, is going to is going to skyrocket this year. And we and, and we're also going to be, as we said again last week, subject to sort of the whims of some of these public utility companies that have been forced to migrate part of their platform to some of these uh, you know, some of these cleaner, quote unquote, cleaner energies. And boy, I, I think we are I think what happened in Texas last year is just sort of a um, uh, you know, a precursor of what's coming this year. And I think it's going to be worse and it's going to impact more people and more states. And that's even if we don't have a harsh winter. But when you get out on the road and you start seeing these prices, they are in, insane how much people are paying for fuel. Yeah. Well, and buddy, all energy is cleaner if you can't produce it. You and I were both kids the last time there was any concern that we wouldn't be able to fully energize this country. We have created that problem for ourselves. But I will tell you, that we will not be polluting the atmosphere with any of the energy we're not generating. That That is correct. It took me a minute to understand that, but that is absolutely correct. And, you know, one of the things that I, I was reading about this week is the fact that all of these countries that signed these climate control compacts in the last 20 years sharply moved away from nuclear energy. Nuclear energy is one of the cleanest energies. It's one of the most efficient energies and it's one of the most you know, productive energies from an output standpoint. We've been cratering nuclear facilities for the last 25, 30 years. And you know, you can say what you want about you know, Three Mile Island and obviously what happened in, uh, in the Soviet Union, you know, that was a mess, but that was really a man-made mess. Um, but we, we have these energy resources that we know how to harness, that we know how to, to cultivate. And we just throw up our hands instead of putting up these big windmills that don't do any damn good. Well, unless you want to kill a bird, in which case you're aces at that point. Yeah, or it could fall on someone. I mean, that, that could happen too. Timber. Mm-hmm. If you could somehow capture the energy as that thing teetered over to smash someone, you could probably power like a small bathroom for a couple of minutes. Would be my yeah. Guess. yeah, especially if you have yeah. one of those nice Toto toilets. Yeah, now that, my friend, is a good use of energy. Yeah, amen, amen. And with it's that, the Brad, only reason to go to Japan, by the way, is if you can get into a hotel that has one of those toilets. Other than that, I don't know why you would go. Well, the dumplings at the restaurant we go to are really good. Well, that, okay, that's fair. Gold leaf, my friends, gold leaf. Well, Brad, next we have our, our world-famous Razor's Edge segment. This is where we... Uh, take one issue of the day and we sort of mold it and shape it. This week, we're talking about requiring vaccination for employment. And I think this is something that's come up again and again. And even the NBA, Brad, they're requiring players be vaccinated in order to participate. The most recent player, Kyrie Irving, who's a pretty good, uh, pretty good star in the NBA, has been told not to report uh, until he is fully vaccinated. The governors in the, in, in the, um, in some northern states are requiring it of all, of all state employees. Uh, in the south, there's somewhat of a backlash. Uh, Governor DeSantis in Florida and Governor Abbott in Texas have sort of taken a different tack, Brad, and they've said that uh, they've actually signed executive orders saying that uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's illegal in their state to have a vaccine mandate. And so uh, one of the things I'm presented with by a lot of folks who run their business is whether or not they should require their employees be vaccinated. Our business, we've talked about it, we've decided not to not to do that. Of course, we're based down here in the free state of Texas, but in a lot of places, people are leaving the workforce rather than be vaccinated. Everyone from uh, pilots and Southwest Airlines who had a big slowdown this week because of this, 
to Kyrie Irving, who's making $25 million a year. Um, what do you think about this? Oh, my, the, the whole thing is just nuts. I mean, I, I, I don't know when we got to the point in this country where we turned some sort of dark corner and found ourselves in the place where the government was going to start mandating otherwise free choice behaviors on the citizens of the country. Right. I, I don't recall again. I mean, you and I are, you know, middle-aged gentlemen. Um, so I haven't been around, you know, for 200 years, like some vampires that we know, but I, I've been around a while and I don't remember a time where the government was mandating behaviors outside of something like, um, you know, like rationing at wartime or something that was, you know, relatively easy to understand and had a, you know, finite limit to it. We're doing this for the cause, et cetera. I mean, this is, this has gone beyond the, the whole, Hey, we're doing this for the cause of, you know, trying to save the hospitals, trying to save the healthcare workers, trying to make sure we have enough ventilators. We're well past that, right? Even the folks that most want to make hay out of any aspect of the pandemic, they can, cannot point to those things any longer, right? So we've simply gotten to a point where it seems almost just to be spiteful, the, those currently in charge of the federal government are saying, hey, we're, we're going to make it painful for you if you don't do what we tell you to do because we're angry that you wouldn't just listen to us, right? And so we've just reached a point where it is flat out nuts. And you've got the president of the United States saying, well, look at American Airlines they went from like 59% to 99%. Well, yeah, they fired all the people <laughs> who didn't have the vaccine. I mean, come on. You, you can't even pretend like that makes any sense at all. Then I love Southwest Airlines. God bless them. They said, well, we had to cancel 1,000 flights a day. Think about that for a minute. We had to cancel 1,000 flights a day, but that was all due to weather and air traffic control. So I said to myself, well, geez, I mean, that's some foul weather and some screwed up air traffic control. Let me look at how many flights were canceled by other airlines. Nowhere near that many, right? And so if it was weather and air traffic control, I don't know if this comes as a shock. Maybe there are people who haven't flown in a while, but the Southwest aircraft have to fly through the same weather that other airlines aircraft have to fly through, right? So there's no special Southwest Airlines weather, right? So it's nonsense. It's clearly due to the fact because they have federal contracts and because of that mandate, they can't let pilots or uh, you know whoever, just staff of any kind, right? From the folks who are going to load the bags to the flight attendants, to the pilots, to the folks that drive the jetways. If they're not vaccinated, they can't work. And so you got real problems and there's no good reason for any of it. It's simply the government trying to, I don't know what, it's, it's like, it's like a kid who's just upset and said, well, if you're not going to, you're not going to listen to me, I'm going to take my ball and go home. Except you got Joe Biden saying, well, if you're not going to listen to me, I'm going to cost you your job. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I, I thought a year ago, the country was never more divided, right. Leading up to the election and right after the election and with the worst sedition um, since the French revolution that happened on January 6th. But you see what's going on in a lot of I mean, look at Virginia. I mean, Virginia, you know, we, we talked last week about the whole um, concept of the critical race theory and the federal government stepping in to protect 
school boards and the governor candidate from Virginia saying in a debate, well, I don't think parents should have any right to tell teachers what they teach the kids. I mean, it is so insane, the level of control that the government is trying to take, whether it's what your kids learn, you shouldn't have any say in it. What is put in your kid's body, you shouldn't have any say in it. Um, you know, the terms of your private employment, you shouldn't have any say in it. And over and over again, the government's becoming more controlling, more power hungry. And a lot of people are ticked off about it. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. And I'm not someone who thinks that a Republican majority in, in Congress is the greatest thing ever. I mean, obviously, it's something we've seen before, and it hasn't really worked out the way they say it's going to work out. But next year, um, in the election next year, there is going to be a tidal wave that we haven't seen probably since 1994, when the Republicans picked up, you know, 80 or so House seats and picked up Senate seats. It is going to be pretty big. I don't know. I don't know about the presidential in three years, but I can tell you that. And the more the government starts trying to take away your rights and starts trying to dictate the terms of your private employment and mislead you, um, the more that that tidal wave is going to is going to crest and is going to smash the people in power. But again, as much as I dislike many of the people currently in power, right? I, I don't think they're good people. I don't think they're they have the best interests of their constituents at heart. And and this walks across both sides of the aisle, right? I mean, there's folks on either side that I, I just cannot abide, right? But but you have to give them credit for at least up to this point being politically astute folks, right? They wouldn't be where they are if they weren't politically astute. And, and I don't use those two words, politically astute, as a compliment, right? I mean, that's not necessarily a, a great thing is the politics in our country today. But those folks, whether you think the politics are good or not, they know the politics. They have to be able to look at this, certainly those folks on the Democratic side, and say, we are simply going to get our butts handed to us in less than a year if we can't pull the nose up. And while I'm sure saying that to themselves, they are forcing people out of work because they've made a personal choice. Again, I can't remember a time that's happened in this country. While at the same time, the price of everything is going up. So you've got folks that can't get a paycheck because for whatever reason, they don't believe that they should, they need to be, or should and certainly they don't believe they have to, should have to be vaccinated. So they can't get a paycheck, but they can't buy anything because the prices are skyrocketing, particularly energy costs. It's a perfect storm. And at some point, somebody that has, you know, is anywhere near the quarter deck of the good ship United States of America needs to yell up towards the captain's cabin and say, hey, if you don't do something quickly, this is really going to spiral out of control. And it's going to be far worse than, a, than the political just woodshedding that's going to come in another year. We have to live through that year, bud. We got to live through that year with people being unable to work because they've made a personal decision about their personal health, while at the same time, everything gets more expensive. That is going to be a very difficult period of time. And as you pointed out, we're heading right into winter. In fact, as I look out my window right now, we've already got a couple inches of snow on the ground here. So we're already going to be paying the piper with those energy costs. Absolutely. It reminds me of the 2000 election. Uh, Al Gore, remember that? Everything that's supposed to be up is down. 
and everything's supposed to be down is up. 92. It was 92. He did it in 92 in the vice president. Everything that's supposed to be up is down. Everything's supposed to be down is up. It's like that. That's a good impersonation, buddy. You sound just like him. Can you say, I "I invented the internet in my garage in your Al Gore voice? How about this? Lockbox. Remember that? He was going to put all the social security number in it. In I do box. remember that. Yeah, in a yeah, lockbox. Yeah. That was the last time. That era was the last time that Saturday Night Live was funny. And it was funny. During that whole campaign, you remember all that? Dana Carvey. Oh, yeah. Hilarious. And that since was then, good. it's gone to hell in a handbasket. Well, Brad, here's the one thing I can say, because, you know, you and I always look for the silver lining, right? We, do. we always look for the silver line. Uh, you know, when we talked off the air about the two drivers and the lost crib and the lost food, um, you know, you 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 kept on pointing out the the positive nature of those two gentlemen. Um, the positive thing that's going on now in the government is at least we have a vice president, right, who we can be proud of in the time of an adult president. Correct. Hey, buddy, I. That's going to be a bit of a stretch because I saw, as I imagine most Americans did, the science video that, so this is a word that you and I didn't use when we were kids, but but my kids use it, right? So I've got kids that are in their late teens to early 20s, and there's this word called cringy, like something being cringy, right? And, and the meaning of that word, for those of you who might be our age and don't have kids, is that it the moment you look at it, it makes you just want to cringe. Like you just want to, if, if you possibly could reach into the situation and just say, Hey, stop it. Cause this is, this is a bad look for everybody. <laughs> right. So that's a, that's a cringy thing. And I suspect that we're going to talk about one of the more cringy things I've seen recently. Well, look that first of all, she gathered the, this very diverse group of children on what appears to be the porch of a, uh, a large Southern home. An antebellum and, mansion. Antebellum mansion, yeah. Just wicker chairs, beautiful yeah. scenery. Yeah. And it, apparently, you know, they, she, had, uh, she had Francis Ford Coppola to, uh, to film the thing. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, you know, she just talked to them about space travel. And I think that's, I think that's you know, terrific. The joy of, of space, interacting with the youth. I mean, you don't see this. But when someone like Kamala Harris goes out and pitches in and gives her two cents with these these children of tomorrow, I mean, all those kids are fired up and motivated to go out and go into space. Yeah, they uh, they certainly looked at to me. Uh, They look like I at any moment I expected any one of those kids to hold up a newspaper because they assumed they were in a proof of life video. You've got. Kamala Harris, who must have been on some sort of narcotic, something that generally speaking, you shouldn't put in your body, while also having just taken a big hit off of a helium balloon. It was the most absurdly cringy thing I've ever seen. And you just got to shake your head at whoever is giving her advice. I mean, to the point that you just made, the president is just sliding downhill on greased skids in terms of his popularity with the citizenship. All Kamala Harris has to do is stay out of her own way, and she's going to be more popular with the president, and she can't do it. 
Well, listen, the, the, what, what, was, what was learned about this video, a couple things, okay? A couple things that may be relevant. First, it was filmed in, I, I think it's August 10th through the 14th. And uh, of course, that was during the time the Taliban was rolling up on, uh, on um, uh, the what remained of the Americans in Afghanistan. And they were, I, I think there was a record number of illegal crossings during that period as well. Um, so it was filmed then. And it also came out today, and I'm reading a quote here for you, my friend. All so there were five five kids um, ranging in age from like I think it was like ten to fifteen or something. Um, but uh, this is a quote from one of the dads. All five of these kids are actors, said Carl Bernardino, whose 13 year old son Trevor was one of the kids taking part. He's a child actor. He's been trying to do this his whole life. And so he has a manager in L.A. that set this up for him and they gave him a script. I mean, listen, <laughs> listen, insane, insane. OK, I mean, I, I, what's the point? Well, why, multiple why levels. do this? They think yeah, exactly. They think we're stupid, right? Because they have oh. all these child actors come in, a couple of whom were really good and should have their own show. But that's neither here nor there. But. One, they 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 think we're they're going to pull the wool over their eyes. And two, they think this is effective and doesn't make her look horrific. It's just I, I, again, you almost have to if you are inclined to be a conspiracy theorist, you almost have to believe that they are crazy like a fox, right? That somehow they are painting this entire administration. So badly, I, and again, I, I don't know what the re- maybe it's just so that if they do anything right, it just shines like a diamond, right? Like they just are able to walk up a flight of stairs to Air Force One without taking two or three tumbles. That you look at that and you go, now there's a man who deserves to be president simply because of the level of expectations that have been set. I, I don't know. It is it is just a comedy of political errors. The likes of which, again, you and I have never seen by folks who are supposed to be politically astute. And that's, I guess, you know, depending on how you look at it, comical or sad or whatever. But these folks actually are in charge of the country. This isn't a sitcom. I mean, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are the president and vice president of the United States of America for real. I mean, that they are in charge. And this is the best that they can do with all the resources available to them. I mean, but we're just in trouble. Yeah, it, it, it's not looking good, but she I'll tell you what she um, she is connecting with who I don't know with who I don't know. But she is uh, she is certainly um, she is certainly connecting. And, and the one thing I don't think we have to worry about is any type of designation of uh, President Kamala Harris. Oh, man. Well, I you know, I certainly hope not. I mean, again, I, you know, God bless them. No one, at least in their right mind, wishes Joe Biden or anyone else, for that matter, any sort of physical ill. I don't, you don't. And again, no one in their right mind does. But he does not come across as a guy who is going to be able to thrive in what is unquestionably the world's most stressful job, right? I mean, there may be other jobs that are close to it, but I'm willing to bet that being the president of the United States is one of the world's most stressful jobs, even in the best of times. And this is far from the best of times. And so you've got Joe Biden, who is clearly not 
you know, on top of his game, he's got, you know, three more years he has to go. And I, you know, I mean, again, to your point, when you look down the bench, you're not exactly excited about who might come in. Should president Biden be unable to complete all four years? No, no, this is not goose gossage coming in from the bullpen. Uh, Brad, another, uh, a quick topic, uh, as you know, one of your favorite coaches in the NFL, uh, John Gruden of the formerly of the Los Angeles Raiders has been forced to uh, step down because of emails he sent uh, over the past 10 or 15 years uh, that came to light as part of the investigation of the Washington football team's toxic uh, management culture. And it's something that the NFL has been doing for the past uh uh, for the past year or so, but these emails came to light and Gruden quickly stepped down. Now we do have a show where Brad and I break down the ins and the outs of uh, all sports. In fact, last week we went through and made our picks for the WNBA finals. Uh, Diana Taurasi again is Brad's MVP. We'll see about that, but we'll get to that in the other show. But uh, Brad, I, I, I think we do, we should mention this since everyone's talking about it. Obviously culture in the workplace is incredibly important. Um, looking at some of those emails, we're not going to repeat any of that stuff here on the cable radio network, but it did pretty reprehensible stuff. It seemed like this is something that had to, had to happen. Um, but sort of the bigger picture here of things that people do in their past that come back to bite them, it, it seems to lend itself to requiring that people think very carefully before they send an electronic mail with some of this, uh, some of this in it. Well, buddy, email is ubiquitous, right? So, I mean, email is not social media, right? So I I have no social media. Obviously, I I use email regularly. You and I run a business. You certainly can't, at this point in time, do business without email. But I I would, I guess my one hope out of this, and you're absolutely right, right? I mean, if you're an adult, you should be thinking before you speak. You should be thinking before you write. You should be thinking before you express any form of communication that others are going to hear, right? And, and if you know of yourself that you are inclined to misspeak, particularly if you are inclined to misspeak in a manner that might be offensive to others, whether you feel like it should be or not, doesn't matter. We live in a time where people are on a hair trigger to be offended, then you need to get help and have somebody help you look at the things you write listen to the things that you're planning on saying publicly, et cetera. I mean, you just can't do it. And that's a good thing, right? I mean, people being able to communicate in such a way as to be able to have a difficult conversation about a difficult topic in a way that is acceptable, in a way that encourages dialogue is something we absolutely need more of. And if something like this gets people to stop and go, you know what? I just don't need social media. All it's going to do is get me in trouble. Then I am a hundred percent for that. I think social media is one of the worst things that has ever happened to us as a society. And I don't want to hear, oh, it's a fabulous way to stay in touch. There's a million ways to stay in touch, right? It's it, it it's 2021. You don't need Twitter, Instaface, whatever it is to get in touch with people. That's nonsense. You don't need the book of face. You don't need any of that in order to stay in touch with people. And if if we continue to see this happen where folks go, oh man, I wonder what I said, you know, 10 years ago in a tweet or a post or, or whatever. And maybe I should just stop that. I, I am a hundred percent for that. I mean, to me, he was uh, not a great coach anyway. He seemed like somewhat of a uh, 
um, overhyped offensive coordinator. Well, that's what he was. You are 100% yeah. right. Well, I know. Here, the good news, though, I was talking to a good friend of mine. You know him as well. A big Raider fan, right? At ah, the beginning I of the do. year. Yeah. Um, uh, Jimmy uh, has been uh, all about this year's team. He's been gung-ho about it. And, you know, initially when this happened last week and came down in a, through a Wall Street Journal article, he said, no, 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 this is going to be fine. And then obviously he's now facing the music. And um, he basically said, look, we're, we're, we're screwed. We're going to have to start rebuilding over again. And uh, I did point out to him, though, Brad, and this is something not many people know. Um, there is another Gruden on the staff. Oh, yeah, and he has not been let go. There were no emails that they found from Deuce Gruden, who is the team's strength and conditioning coach. So if someone had told you a year and a half ago, and I posed this question to my friend, that uh, come middle of October, there was going to be one Gruden left on the staff, and his first name was not going to be John, it was going to be Deuce. Um, that would have been highly unlikely. But here we are. You know, here we are. You should have put some money on it because as everyone knows, the Raiders are never going to drop a deuce. Yeah. Certainly not in this context. Correct. That's that's what more can you say? The only other thing I will say about this is I do believe and I'm not advocating anything this guy said because it's reprehensible and, you know, but I do believe that it's funny that uh, the way this stuff came out and it just shows you how repulsive the NFL is and Roger Goodell, because anyone who you know says anything against Roger Goodell um, you know, they get, they eventually get hit over the head. So this is a process going on investigating the Washington Redskins and their toxic culture, um, with the ownership and all that. And these emails came out of that. They were produced as part of that. And then they were leaked to the press to, to, to get rid of this coach. He should have not been there. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that the, the way the NFL deals with these situations is, and they've done it before is just repulsive. Yeah, buddy. If you're a small business, all we have to say to you is, don't try to run it like the NFL runs theirs. It won't work. What uh, better place to go next than the lovely COVID corner? Ah, why not? Why not? We got a couple of items this week. We've stayed away from the COVID corner, although it does seem to touch on everything we do. Um, but uh, there is some new news out of a couple of major hospital systems in the country that say they will deny transplants, organ transplants, to anyone that is unvaccinated, including a Colorado-based healthcare system near uh, and dear to your heart. Um, so it seems like a lot of this uh, stig stigmatization with folks who are unvaccinated is gonna continue into the, uh, into the uh, healthcare area. But it, it seems like it, it, it's a pretty, uh, pretty dangerous time when these type of um, levers are being used to force vaccinations but uh, what do you think about hospitals denying care to the unvaccinated oh, but I, I mean again it's just it's like a lot of things in our culture anymore and in, in our society it's that the only people who are winning here are lawyers right because you can just bet that they're literally lining up to file these lawsuits if you can demonstrate that not being vaccinated, right? Because that's the, that's the line that's being drawn. It's not whether or not you've had COVID. It's whether or not you're, uh, you have some of the underlying healthcare issues that make COVID particularly dangerous. It's, it's, it's none of those things, right? That's, that's not what the decision is being made on. The decision is being made on your vaccination status. And so my assumption is that likely for you to be on solid legal footing, certainly 
for you to be on solid moral or ethical footing, you would have to be able to demonstrate that someone who is unvaccinated is likely to live significantly less long post-transplant than someone who is vaccinated. And I can almost guarantee you that even if that were true, and I don't believe it is, but even if that were true, you couldn't prove it at this point. The data is just not available, right? To be able to say, well, you know, post-transplant, a vaccinated person's going to get, you know, 10 good years out of their transplant. An unvaccinated person's only going to get seven. And so, you know, we're we're going to make this science-based, as everybody loves to say, we're going to make this science-based decision to remove unvaccinated people from the transplant list. It, it cannot be that. And since it's not that, it's just one more way to hold a gun to people's heads who have made a personal decision. And again, you and I are on record. We are both fully vaccinated and we believe that people should be. But we also believe that people should have that choice, that the government should not be mandating personal health choices. And so this is just one more way for folks to put a gun to the heads of those who have made a personal choice and say, you either do what we want you to do or you don't get this life-saving thing. Okay, this is not someone saying you can't participate in our 401k if you don't get vaccinated. This is putting a gun to someone's head and saying, you need an organ in order to survive. I have control over the access to that and I'm not giving it to you unless you do this thing that I want you to do. That's crazy. In any other situation, it would be criminal. And I, it may be in this situation. Like I said, I don't know what the contractual obligations are for organ transplants. Again, maybe they're on solid legal footing, but they are. there is no chance that they are on solid moral or ethical footing or could defend this in any way that is truly science-based. Standing up and saying, well, you, you know, it's just better for you if you get vaccinated. That's an opinion at this point. Right. Again, I believe it is, but that's just an opinion at this point. And there cannot be any scientific evidence that party A is going to live longer post-transplant because they've been vaccinated than party B, who is in otherwise exactly the same set of circumstances, the only difference being they're not vaccinated. Even if someone wanted to do that study, there hasn't been enough time or data in order to get that study done. And so these folks are standing on a platform that is completely made up. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think you're right that the lawyers are the ones that are going to benefit the most. The good news is Dr. Fauci is out again. Uh, he testified before Congress this week, and he said that to the extent um, folks want to get together over the holidays with their families um, and they're fully vaccinated um, and there are no unvaccinated people, um, he's not sure yet. So he said he's not sure yet, but at some point in the future, he will let people know if as long as they're fully vaccinated, you know, they can they can get together for the holidays. So that's a, sort of a stay tuned. Yeah. Right? Stay well, tuned. You know, I mean, the good thing about Fauci at this point is he's Charlie Brown's parents. Right. I mean, he, he talks and you just hear wah, 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 the teacher. Wah, wah. That was they the teacher, just, Brad. Yeah. That's not the parent. The also teacher. the parents. Also any adult. But the teacher. Any adult. Generally the teacher, though. Well, it could teacher. be the teacher. Could be the parents. Point wah, being, wah, wah, wah. you cannot, when he opens his mouth, no one cares. And what you, any credibility you had, you blew up months ago. And so again, I don't know why anybody brings Fauci out. You know, I, I tend to tend to 
agree with you there, my friend. I tend to agree with you there. I, I just think it's kind of funny that it sort of runs a common thread through everything we've been talking about here today. Um, sort of the big brother government telling everyone what to do. But you know what, Brad? It is time now for our award-winning Bronze Stevie segment barter band, uh, the, the reigning Bronze Stevie award-winning segment. Fantastic. Barter Everybody band. loves it, my friend. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's it, it's not every day you, uh, you, you can put a Bronze Stevie on the shelf. And it's not every shelf that will support a Bronze Stevie. I mean, that needs to be a well-engineered shelf. It's not a Tony Award or anything. Well, no, I mean, it's clearly not a Tony Award. It's bronze for starters. But you need to have, you know, a decent, you know, at least drywall anchor supported shelf to put a bronze stevia. You want to be in the studs, I think. You want to be in the studs. As anyone who is listening to this radio program clearly is. Correct. Uh, Barter Band this week, Brad, brought to you by IPedia, the automation of innovation. Uh, IPedia taking care of all of your patent-related needs uh, since 2017. Um, uh, Barter Band this week, Brad, your favorite uh, mayor, America's mayor, Bill de Blasio, uh, in his last uh, term, I, I believe his term is about to expire, and a new mayor will be crowned, christened. Uh, however you do it. Um, but uh, he is not going quietly into that good night. This week, he barred or banned, depending on which is more permanent, uh, advanced placement programs in New York City schools. He basically said schools have to be more egalitarian. There has to be more equity in schools. And uh, so all of the AP programs in New York City public schools are no more. And the kids will no longer be ranked and put in classes according to their aptitude or their testing. Rather, they'll just all be put in a general population similar to a prison. Um, so, Brad, do you think that the AP program should be barred or banned? Which is it? Well, no, I, I, I don't think either of those things. I mean, again, I, I, politicians, maybe this is why I'm not one. I mean, I, there are many reasons why I would never consider running for any office. But you're on your way out. You're never coming back, right? I mean, he can't be the mayor of New York again. Those are the rules, thankfully. And you make this incredibly divisive decision, right? Which, you know, I mean, for every person who's on his side of it, there's at least a person who's on the other side of it. So, I mean, this is not something that your constituency is pushing you to do. And you do it when you're on your way out the door the next guy to come in is going to reevaluate that, probably undo it. I mean, so what's what's the point? I mean, I guess it's just you want to go down as a record level a-hole. And if you do, that's fine. I mean, that's certainly de Blasio's choice. But I, I don't, I do agree that education should be targeted as best as possible to the strengths of each individual student. Now that's a tall order especially in a public school system, because, you know, most public school systems are under-resourced. It's very difficult to do that. And I, in that environment, particularly, I applaud the programs that are targeted at those students who, for whatever reason, are subpar in their ability to learn, right? Because it doesn't do any of us any good to churn out a bunch of subpar high school graduates. It certainly doesn't do them any good. It doesn't do society in general any good. And so for the purposes, if, if, you're, if you, you know, just don't care about individuals other than yourself at all, fine. But it, for the society in which you live, it makes more sense 
to churn out capable, competent high school graduates, right? And so I believe in those programs. I likewise believe in the programs that are targeted at exceptional students, right? For those kids who are fortunate enough to be able to learn at an above average level, those are the kids that we hope one day will be the future of this country, that we hope will cure cancer, that we hope will colonize Mars, that we hope will solve the clean energy riddle, right? We need those folks operating at their peak. And instead of promoting that, which again, serves all the public good, we've decided to sweep the legs out from under those kids and drag them down to the lowest common denominator, which makes as little sense as turning to a kid who can't achieve the average and saying, well, you're just out. You hit the bricks. You can't make this cut. You're out. Doing that would be the wrong approach to education, but no more wrong than turning to the exceptional students and saying, hey, you can't excel. We're going to drag you back down here. You're going to sit down here with the students who, who are not able to learn at your level, and you're just going to have to, you know, fall apart down here. You're not going to be able to achieve your highest and best for yourself, for the society, for the, the betterment of those around you. You're not going to be able to do that because we don't think it's fair. That's crazy. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think it should be neither barred or banned. Uh, I think that AP programs have an important part in schools and helping to pull up the kids that take the opportunity to pull themselves up. Right. I think it's incredibly important, especially in a school system like New York's, which is just horrific and terrible. That's where the shining stars come from. And the kids that you're hurting are minority kids. Right. They're kids in these minority communities that have no chance to go to private school. Uh, where charter schools are being closed every day and uh, you know, where this is their only way out of a cycle that they're in, that they were put in, quite frankly, by the government. And it's sort of the broader picture here, right? Which is, you know, it, it used to be, and I think the way it should be is you, you give everyone an equal opportunity, right? You give everyone an equal opportunity or as equal as you can make it um, to succeed, to uh, get out of, uh, a, a, an impoverished situation to get into a good uh, college and, and, and graduate school to build a career path that's going to sustain and help them build a family and build a better life for the next generation. So that's what it used to be about. Now, it seems like all these all these politicians want to just make everyone equal. Right. Um, so it, it's all about the end result being equal, regardless of the effort that goes into it. Uh, regardless of the sweat equity that these kids are putting into their education. And that's how, that's outrageous. It really is. I mean, whether it's, and we see it everywhere right now, whether it's schooling or whether it's grading or whether it's, you know, taking away uh, testing or whether it's sports and, and or sexuality. I mean, my God, um, it, it's just becoming more and more uh, pervasive in our society. It's sort of like welcome to 1984, um, but where this small group of elites uh, determines what you will and what you won't do. And there's really no opportunities given to people that want to do better. And I think that's the, that, that's the problem I have with this program. And quite frankly, that's, that's the problem I have with all of um, you know, what this progressive agenda does is it doesn't allow for equal opportunity to excel. It allows for us to become equally mediocre. Well, and, and not even mediocre. I mean, if you want everyone to be equal, then you have to set the bar 
at the point at which the least capable person in whatever category you're talking about is able to achieve, right? So for instance, I mean, imagine if all wide receivers in the NFL could only run as fast as I can. No one would watch it, right? I mean, it's just the, the idea that you're going to create equality out of something where equality does not exist and does not exist naturally is just absurd. And why we wouldn't want to applaud those who, to your point, take the opportunity they've been given and make the most out of it, I don't know. What Someone will have to explain to me why trying to encourage, especially kids, to do their very best and to make the most out of whatever situation they're in, someone will have to explain to me why that's wrong. Right? Again, it would be wrong to turn to a kid whose aptitudes are not at the same level as his neighbors and say, well, you can't get here, you're out, right? You know, go shovel dirt or whatever it is you're going to do the rest of your life. That would be wrong. But equally as wrong is turning to the kid who's on the verge of being exceptional or has proven himself or herself to be exceptional and saying, nope, you can't go there. Slow way down because this kid over here can't keep up with you. And it's not even for the good of society. I mean, if you want to call yourself a progressive, then progress. It just makes no sense. Yeah. And for, at first, they took away the as much as they could. They took away the the religious schools and the access to religious schools. They took away the charter schools. I mean, charter schools are not thriving like they were 10 years ago. I mean, under Bush, you know, there was a clear spike up. Now there's. There's not. And when you take away the AP programs, that's sort of the final dagger for some of these kids. And it, it really is. It really is a shame. And it, it really should be scrutinized. And again, I think all of this is going to change in the next year or so. And especially with the midterm elections, you're going to see a big wave against this time, this kind of crazy, um, you know, striving for equality when you should be striving for excellence. But Brad, before we go. Uh, last week on our program, you did give some relationship advice uh, to, I believe, it was Norm in Atlantic City. I believe uh, it was. Yeah, it seemed to go seemed to go well. And, and and during that portion of the program, you gave some advice. You also opined on the uh, apparent uh, asteroid that is uh, uh, heading on a collision course with Earth uh, about a year's time from now. Uh, we did promise to give everyone updates on said asteroid and its its trajectory and whether or not it is um moved um obviously want to be able to deliver some really good news here um as of today it's on the same course it's still hurtling towards uh earth yeah and then now that nasa has yet to actually launch the you know sort of tight end going out into the flat rocket right where it's going to nudge the defender and move him off of his course just enough to create space for a reception, right? We have yet to launch the, you know, Mike Ditka rocket. The, yeah, it's funny you should ask, right? It's funny you should ask because the answer is I don't know. Um, there is a plan to launch uh, a mission to deflect the asteroid in November, right? They're targeting a November launch date. Again, that's DART, the double asteroid redirection test. Um, I would hope it's not a test. It's not a beta, but you know, who knows, right? Who knows what they're going to do, but uh, a little bit of good news, a little ray of sunshine here on this dark, what appears to be a dark 
cosmic day is that William Shatner, uh, Brad, has been launched into space on the Blue Origin uh, NS-18, uh, Jeff Bezos space program. And so uh, I, I, I find it hard to believe that this is a coincidence that an asteroid, an unprecedented occurrence is heading towards Earth, right? Again, it's going to hit a year from now. And Bill Shatner is now in space. I mean, you tell me, uh, could that be a coincidence or is there just too much no, there to I believe? Mean, that, plus, that's the guy you want right now. I mean, obviously, Captain Kirk knows his situation here, right? I mean, that is a man who is as comfortable in space as he is anywhere else. So, I mean, let's hope he button that toupee down tightly before going through the launch process. I'm, and again, I'm sure he did. Again, this is a man who knows his space travel, but that's the guy you want. And I'm willing to bet you, buddy, that in addition to Mr. Shatner, that even Mayor de Blasio is hoping that there are a couple of people on that NASA DART team that are exceptional, that maybe took a couple of AP classes before they were put in charge of deciding exactly how you were going to nudge the doom asteroid off of its current trajectory, right? Because again, as we discussed last week, the last thing you want to hear in mission control is the asteroid hurdles towards Earth is, no, 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 I said my left, yeah. right? You, know, you want a couple of, wait for it, exceptional students to have been the ones who were in charge of deciding how this mission was going to go off. Because if we just send the lowest common denominator into mission control, we might as well kiss our butts goodbye. Exactly. I mean, you could end up in a situation where you have a minivan and a, uh, a carrier van and luggage that's missing, right? At, yeah. at, at port. But right. I would also say, Brad, what's important to keep in mind is that this whole program of sending William Shatner in space to somehow deflect this asteroid hurtling towards us at record speeds. Um, one thing you could think about is with Bill Shatner, you could send some of those kids that received that amazing pep talk, the child actors uh, from our vice president, send them up there. Because as everyone knows, when you go into space, you age differently, right? And then bring them back in a year and let's see what they, let's, let's see what they look like. I mean, who, who knows? They well, listen, a lot older. If you gave those kids the choice between having to spend one more second in the presence of the vice president or being shot in a rocket at an asteroid, all of them take the asteroid. All With William Shatner. With William Shatner. And his toupee, his well-cemented spacefaring toupee. Uh, listen, I don't think we could end on any better note than that. We'll keep you posted on all things related to your small business here on IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently, once again clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.